0: <laughs>
1: Buongiorno tutti. Welcome back to Kimberly's Italy. I'm Kimberly Holcomb, and I'm here with Tommaso.
0: Hello, everybody. Buongiorno.
1: Buongiorno. So before we start this new episode, uh, number twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. Dio mio. <laughs> I just want to say a quick word. We have received so many emails in the last few weeks from people all over the country, and including this week, including a gentleman from Buenos Aires, Argentina.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. And we're now in 60 countries. 60, the 60. other day it was 59. Well, it's said another one. I don't know if we added it or not, but I've got, I've got to tell you something here. We have 60 countries and the most... Obscure location, which, you know, who knew? Who would have thunk it? Reunion Island off no. Madagascar, <laughs> right? In the middle of the Indian, well, not in the middle, in sort of the western end of the Indian Ocean.
1: In Madagascar, uh, Reunion That's Island. Awesome. Right. They have a connection, probably as good as we do in the United States, and they're listening to our podcast on all things Italian. They are. And, you know, we've got, uh,
0: even listeners in the Republic of Iran, Libya, Greece, Lithuania, Korea. That's so, so awesome. I mean, <laughs> you know, outside of the, you know, the sort of world where you'd think you'd be listening to in the United States and Europe, um, we've got places all over it now, 60 countries. So thank you very, very much. Who's ever hearing this, who's ever listening and who's ever sending us those wonderful emails, which I haven't seen, but you've gotten them.
1: Yes, I have. And the point is, of these emails is that every single person that has gotten in touch in the last few weeks has mentioned how much they enjoy listening to our podcast each episode, how it's making them more and more excited to think about their next trip and how happy they are to just listen to everything that we talk about that we enjoy so much and so do they. And the best part is I'll be planning a few of those trips for these people. So thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: Absolutely. And I, you know, it really helped that you just
1: spent almost a month in Italy. True, because I have so many stories. And so that makes me think we should really start in on this episode. Well, let's, yeah, we will.
0: <laughs> One second, but let's also just say that this, the Tuscany section of this is going to run three
1: episodes. Why not? Why not? Toscana a lot is to a talk about. beautiful place. Okay, so here we go. Hit it, girlfriend. Thank you. On my second full day in Toscana, Tuscany, with the girls from the first Kitten Club trip, we packed a lot into this day. And to be perfectly honest, it was one of the best days I have had in Italy. That is saying a lot. You've had a few good ones. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But, okay, top 10, top 20, whatever. (laughs) But let me say that we had two experiences that far surpassed any expectation I ever had. So let me dive right in. So we were staying in that beautiful villa that I was mentioning in our last episode. And the breakfast we had at the villa was so delicious and so welcoming that we ran a little late for a wine tasting that we were having at a vineyard, a tour, wine tasting, etc., And this vineyard is called Nostra Vita, which means our life. And I have known this family for a couple of years via email. I tend to make good friendships via email, which is sweet, I think. And I have sent clients there before. So we had an appointment for 1030 in the morning. And I have to tell this story because it's really funny. So the proprietor of the villa said, I will call Nostra Vita because because of course she knows them. Everyone knows each other in, in Tuscany. So I said, thanks. We're running a little late, but I'll go as fast as I can. And I had never driven there before. And we were in Montepulciano Monte and the vineyard is in Montalcino, about 30 minutes away, but through small winding roads up and down mountains. And again, I had never been there. So Sally was in the the co-pilot seat or Samantha navigator with the GPS, because remember the Fiat Tipo did not have a built-in GPS. (laughs) Anyway, so they had their iPhone and they were giving me directions up and down these mountains and all oohs and ahs. It's so beautiful. It was a spectacular day, sunny, warm, incredible. So I was driving pretty fast, making the girls remember the same girls that were nervous about driving in Lake Como they're a bit nervous on these hills because you don't see anything until you start going down. Right. Anyway, so all fine going a little fast because I really didn't want to make a bad impression on my first time there to meet this family. So at one point we got to a rotary and I was confused as to which way to go. I was going a little too fast to read the signs correctly. And so we went around the circle ones and then kind of stopped, hesitated for a minute. And all of a sudden I hear, hunk, hunk, and I look in the rear view mirror and there's this woman in a car behind me with her hands up and she's like screaming, swearing probably at me. I was like, oh my God, sorry, sorry, sorry. So I go around and then Sally or Samantha said, okay, bear right here. So we did. So this woman in this car was on my tail. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go faster and just you know keep up with the directions, my GPS navigator. And then I would take a right downhill up a mountain, and so did this other car. And then finally, we got to this little straightaway flat area, and this woman, I was like, she's going to pass me. I know it. So she did. She zooms ahead, and we go up another mountain, and then we see her, and she takes a right. I was like, oh, thank goodness. So then... The GPS directions are, take a right. It's like, hmm, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Oops. And then take Maybe a left. She's late for her appointment exactly, also. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. So, okay, you just blew it. So Anyway, in the end, we went down a dirt road. She went down the dirt road. She went up a dirt road. She took a right, a left, and more. was like, finally, I thought, oh, Dio mio, that is Carlota, the daughter, who I've been emailing for four years. And we got there, we pulled in behind her, and she... Looked at us. We looked at her. And we're like, "Mi dispiace. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I was late. She had to drop her son off at school. She was late. We were late. And then we're like, "Okay, whatever. Hug, hug. Nice to meet you. Let's have some wine." <laughs> but it was so funny because it was the typical Italian driving experience where she knew I was a foreigner or at least not knowledgeable about the area, so they get impatient. You know, come. She was running late she wanted to go and why was i hesitating at a rotary with like 18 different entries and Italians get impatient with their own i mean don't don't trip i mean True. they're just so it was a very funny way to enter the beginning of our vineyard tour but as i said and keep in mind i did just say we hugged like crazy but again we're all vaccinated everyone there had a mask on it just we just it was it felt like the right thing to do right so I don't want anybody to judge me because I've been very COVID conscientious this whole two years. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, you know what it was like, Tom, you just felt so secure there. Right. You,
0: You felt like everyone was looking out for their fellow man. It wasn't anyone being crazy.
1: Right. So hug, hug, hug. So, well, I should say it's a family run vineyard. And the father whose name is, well, it's spelled as though you would pronounce it. Anabale, but I think I slaughtered it in front of him, which was a little embarrassing. I think it's the equivalent of Hannibal, like not Hannibal Lecter, but that's the pronunciation. Very, very old name. And this family founded this vineyard 25, 30 years ago, and it is a family affair. We walked in after our hug hug and he walked us over to this oak tree and he started talking about the oak tree. And to the right, we saw this very modern glass cube it's like I am pay outside of the Louvre in Paris, a mm-hmm. square glass cube. That was clearly the wine tasting room. And we thought, wow, it's 10 30. We're going to walk straight to that cube and start drinking wine, tasting wine. But no, instead that was just the beginning. Three hours later, We ended up in that glass cube tasting their wine. But first they wanted us to know the story of the soil, of the history. Believe it or not, this mountain and that whole region of Tuscany was underwater millions of years ago. So they have this soil, this sediment, Tetra it's called, and he cut away parts of the soil that was exposed and we could see millions of years Of soil. Of layers. And I'm not exaggerating. So right then and there, that was super interesting. And keep in mind that one of the kittens on the Kitten Club Tour, she's from California, and she has been to basically every major vineyard in Napa. And at the end, she said nothing ever compared to this because most of those vineyards are much more commercial. Right. This was an experience, as I mentioned before, unlike anything I've ever had. And I personally love art. I am an artist, a photographer, but the history of art, everything, this place, every single thing was made by this family or their friend. The glass cube was designed by Honable. He is an architect, an engineer, a vintner bookbinder, a sculptor, a painter, you name it, and so are his daughters. His wife is the chef behind the scenes, and she did these beautiful presentations. Anyway, this entire vineyard, this family-run vineyard, was a work of art in itself. The entire property was filled with sculptures, things that they made out of the trees that had fallen. Everything was, as they called it in English, upcycled, not even recycled, This is an upcycled root of a 2,000-year-old olive tree. And they made it into chairs. They took old wheelbarrows, put them upside down, sanded them, and then painted them, and you sat in them while you had a glass of wine. It's actually very comfortable. (laughs) Upside down and backwards. It was fantastic.
0: I I, I was going to say, you can confirm this, but the majority, the vast majority of the... Vintners in Italy do not use any chemicals at all.
1: Yes, their vineyard is completely organic. Two hectares of Sangiovese wine, only Sangiovese, about 10,000 vines, and it's all 100% organic. They have three different sections named after the daughters, and all these grapes from the three vineyards are harvested separately and then united into their Rosso di Montalcino. And Brunello da Moltocino. And then to top it off, Anabale hand paints every single label before it goes out. That's pretty special, right? Yes, it is. You were gifted a bottle from one of your clients. That oh, that's drink, right.
0: And we saved that
1: bottle because it's so unique. So you are correct, Tommaso. The Thank entire, you. <laughs> as usual,
0: the no, entire. No, no, no,
1: don't go there. <laughs> Uh, the entire vineyard is organic, but let me get you back to the history of how they started it. Hannibal, Hannibal, excuse me, Hannibal grew up in this area and he was studying science and all this stuff and then he became enamored with horses and he rode Appaloosa horses And then that was his role in life. He is the first to have brought Appaloosa horses into Italy from Spain. And as he was riding, this is a true story, as he was riding his Appaloosa one day, everyone is looking at him. They had never seen an Appaloosa. They're quite distinct compared to other horses. So one day on his Appaloosa, Hannibal told us he was just riding along and he saw this land and he thought it was the perfect slope, the perfect Everything, perfect exposure to the sun, probably had the right kind of rainfall, everything about it. He thought that would make a good vineyard. Meanwhile, this is, he's 75 years old right now. So this is about 50 years ago. There had not been a vineyard in this particular area of Tuscany on this one side of Montalcino. So he thought about it and thought about it. And then he said, that's it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to become a vinter. Meanwhile, after our tour, and we saw everything that he designed, that he made, that he created, that he sculpted, that he painted, whatever he did, finally, and he does not speak any English, so finally in Italian, halfway through our three hours there, I said, Hannibal, you are like Leonardo da Vinci, the everything man, you can do everything, and he burst out laughing and... It sounded much funnier in Italian, but he said, no, I'm not. And if I was, I would be like the dumbest great, 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 great grandson of Leo. <laughs> <laughs> he
0: looks a little bit like Da Vinci. He
1: does. Mm-hmm. He has a very long beard yeah. now. But my God, the most talented man. And obviously it's in the DNA of his daughters. Carlota. I forgot to mention Carlota's name. Carlota is the woman driving behind us is a completely incredible, talented artist. So this family is just like no other. And we decided it's actually almost impossible to say what this vineyard tour experience was like. It was unlike anything any of us had ever had. And we hadn't even had the wine yet. So after about two hours of walking around with Carlotta and Hanabale, we all felt like this was the most enriching and engaging quote-unquote, tour, but it was truly unlike anything we ever experienced and not what we expected. We thought we were going to have a wine tasting. Well, you are going to have a
0: wine tasting, but it, as opposed to being a commercial venture where someone who's being paid to give this tour or whatever, these people are passionate about what they do. They design this. They are they are completely devoted to this, so it, it comes across. In the experience,
1: did. it definitely did. Oh, so anyway, we finally get to the mod glass cube that looked out to the most idyllic view of Tuscany, which is most
0: of Tuscany. Sorry, but
1: <laughs> no, but this one was okay, particularly perfect, mm-hmm. just kind of like the villa where we were staying, like every other.
0: Okay, I'm sorry, I'm it, sorry.
1: Tuscany that. truly is beautiful, wonderful, idyllic, and just about it's every hard way. to find a
0: bad view in Tuscany. <laughs>
1: okay very well said. So we're sitting in the glass cube and then Hannibal's wife, Elena, brought out the most lovely platter of cheese and breads to accompany the tasting and little flowers from their garden on the side. And it was so delicious looking. And I kept thinking, oh, we have to be at a lunch pretty soon. But of course we all ate it. And then we started tasting wine. And by this time it was like 1230. So we felt better about tasting wine as opposed to trying it at 1030. <laughs> so we had Brunello da Montalcino with Rosso di Montalcino, you name it, we had it. And he let us take our time and he explained it. And again, this is all in Italian and his daughter, Carlota, is completely fluent. And she did the most incredible job translating it to all of us. And it was so heartfelt and like well because it's it's not
0: translating factual information that's just part of it but it's translating the passion
1: exactly and she explained each grape from each wine came from another plot and they all have their own plots and different soils different exposure you name it it was just perfect and i've only been on vineyard tours in um the northern regions, Valtellina and Piemonte. I had never been to a vineyard tour in Tuscany, but I have sent a lot of people there to Antinori and all these big, larger estates, and they love it. And the wine is great, and it's very sleek and professional. But this, as I said, was nothing like what I expected and way much more than I hoped for. So anyway, we had our wine. We all bought a case, at least each. When
0: is our wine arriving?
1: Um, actually, tomorrow. No, no uh, Thursday or Friday. Yes, yes. <laughs> It'd be a good weekend, Brunello. Yes, it well, it's gonna last. I have a couple of cases coming. Anyway, so we finally say our goodbyes, and with that, the hugs came, pictures came. It was just so great because prior to arriving. Carlota and I had been WhatsApping, sending audio messages, emails, all so much went into just this one little wine tasting. And indeed it turned out to be a three hour like love fest. It was so, <laughs> so awesome. And all of a sudden I looked at the clock. I was like, oh, it's almost one o'clock. And funny enough, like when we started our day and left pulciano from the villa. I was like, oh no, we're late to to the appointment at Nostra Vita. And she said, the proprietor at the villa said, oh no, I'll call them. I know her. Now, same situation. I say to Carlota, oh no, I'm meeting my friend Paolo Coluccio. Do you know him? She goes, sí. <laughs> I was Like, of course you do. I was like, we're meeting him in Pienza for lunch and we're late. She goes, I'll call him. So then we get back in the Fiat Tipo, drive down the dirt, paths down the mountain, up another mountain, make our way to Pienza. We get there and we're late again. And I'm never late in my normal life, but I'm sorry, Nostra Vita just sucked me in. I I was not paying attention to time. So we go to meet my friend Paolo. Paolo has a company or a business that he names Gusto Evoluto. I love that name. It means evolving taste. So, Paolo Coluccio from Gusto Evoluto and I have been email friends, just like Carlotta and Vita and I, for years, because I have sent friends to him. He has taken some of my clients to Vita on his own, etc. So, I finally get to meet Paolo in person in a restaurant called La Bandita in Pienza. The town of Pienza is about directly in the middle between Montalcino to the west and Montepulciano to the east. Pienza and La Bandita, the restaurant. Can I just say, Dio mio. <laughs> I am not exaggerating when I say I think this was the best lunch of my entire month-long trip. <gasps> nope, nope, no, no, nope, you nope. can't say
0: that. I'm sorry. You because just you weren't there. I wasn't there, but you just can't say that. There's too many. Well There's okay. too many. I'm so okay, you again, can't. You it was can't. one of the best. It's not the best ever. It's it's like, you know.
1: It was incredible. Let me tell it's you what top, we had.
0: The top twenty or thirty slides around a lot.
1: Let me tell you what we had. Okay. So after hello, hello, Paolo, so nice to meet you finally. Okay. But you know, again, we had a certain reservation hour. So he introduced us to the chef, his friend, of course, and everyone that works in the kitchen. They come out to see the American. Yeah, I, uh, I just want, I just want to interrupt here for a second.
0: You know, I have a very good friend who listens to this podcast, who's a sailor, and we've always talked about, it's not a small world, it's a medium-sized cocktail party, Johnny Mac, and it sounds like Tuscany is like a- Oh, yes, correct. Tuscany is not even a medium-sized cocktail party, Tuscany is a small cocktail
1: party. They know, everyone knows each other. Exactly. And you know why? Because they're so, most of them are from there, yeah, and they're so- devoted and passionate about what they do. Passionate. That's
0: not an overused word in Tuscany. No. Just like magical is not an overused word on this
1: podcast. Hold on. We've been told a few times now that we overuse magical and incredible. So we're going to make a very big effort to tone that down. I need a thesaurus.
0: We have one It weighs about nine pounds. We'll break it
1: out. (laughs) There's one online. Okay. I'm just going to memorize that. I I like like books. (laughs) Anyway. Okay. So let me just tell you about lunch at La Bandita. Okay. Zucchini flowers, lightly fried, like delicate. You don't even hardly know they're fried with ricotta under this light tomato sauce. All of us ordered it and simultaneously were like, oh, it was almost embarrassing. And of course the chef and his you know, sous chefs in the back are laughing. Oh, yeah, that happens all the time with Americans. It was <laughs> the most delicious thing. It was incredible. So that was just our starter, okay? And then Samantha and Sally had, quote-unquote, as they like to say, ravioli. But it was one ravioli. This monster-sized ravioli. They had never seen that before. They were a little taken back at that. And they thought, hmm. How is that going to be good? This isn't Chef Boyardee. No. Well, it was good. It was stuffed with this braised beef, a foie gras, and braised leeks. Mm. She said, they both said, it was so rich, but they couldn't stop. It was unbelievable. And Paolo himself had it as well. He didn't even finish it. It was one ravioli, but (laughs) he was like, da morire, to die for, but a little too rich for one person and Sally and Samantha couldn't even finish it and they were splitting it. Hmm. And then Charlene and I had a pesto pesto with tagliatelle. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that when the servers brought out our two plates and it was this small kind of tower shape, it was actually like a teeny tower shape of tagliatelle that I don't know how you make it into a tower shape. So perfect. And it had, it was covered in pesto. When the service brought it out, you smelled the pesto from like three feet away. we're like, "Mm." and then we see it coming. It's put down in front of you. You're like, oh my God, it was so aromatic. It was unlike any other pesto. And then we took a bite. Same thing as the the zucchini flower. Like, oh my God. And with this, Paulo realized he summed up these four Americans. He's like, okay. They're going to be pretty, um, you know, demonstrative about their what they like and what they don't like. And on top of it, we had a white wine from Tuscany. That, and I'm not a.
0: You're not uh, a white wine.
1: Well, I I don't know much about white wine. Also,
0: you never hardly ever drink white wine.
1: Did I love this white wine at lunch? Yes. Right. It was amazing. I need to look it up what it was because I can't remember. But oh shoot. Tom is waving at me again. We're already at like past our time frame. I haven't even gotten to trouble hunting, which is the exact same thing I said last episode. So can we just carry on? Cause this, not, not this episode, do a new episode. Oh, yes, with yes, yes. Hunting. Look,
0: you were there for almost a month. It's really going to be hard to fit all that wonderful experience into like three or four episodes. I anticipate this whole trip going to 10 to 12 episodes. Five
1: years. No, 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 no.
0: But I mean, just like two seconds ago, when you mentioned the chef and everything, I mean, even the experience when I got there for eight days, the chef coming out to talk to us. I mean, they just, it's one of the beauties of being there in the off season
1: is you have this time. exactly, And they have the desire. They have the desire. They want to connect. You know, Paolo was waiting for us because we were late. So he was hanging out in the kitchen with his buddies. And then we finally show up and we're like, Moaning in the dining room because it was the best thing we'd ever eaten. So, of course, they come out like, Come, ti piace? We're like, Gee, Do we like it? We love it. Anyway, so yes, it was an incredible experience. But so the next
0: episode is going to be about truffle hunting.
1: However, I just want to say, okay, just like the experience with tour Nostra Vita, the truffle hunting was an experience unlike. Anything I ever had, and as I said before, beyond my expectations, tenfold. First of all, I had never been on a travel hunt, but I had sent clients on it, and I have a lot of friends that go on it. And I think I've mentioned this before. They all say, yeah, it was fun. It was interesting. It was great. I'm sorry. When we left that, we're like, that was the best afternoon ever. We've never laughed so hard, never spent time with dogs like that this truffle hunter and paolo it was one of the best afternoons
0: of my life so if you're listening in reunion island in the <laughs> indian ocean right now next week we're going to talk about truffles which i know you don't have any truffles they might well, i Who know they don't.
1: they don't they don't i know Even they have I cactus know. flower no whatever <laughs>
0: we're going to talk about truffles next week
1: okay so i guess we have to stop now sorry i ramble on but it's just there's so much to tell and from what we can tell ourselves everyone's happy with it so we'll just leave it at that okie all right so next week truffle hunting oh and then sorry there was a ch- <laughs> cheesemaker after that and another vineyard okay so dio mio, so much. Be, this more could be say.
0: three or four episodes in tuscany And you know what? I don't think anyone's going to matter, particularly with COVID and whatever. Why not? Why not? Let's enjoy it. Okay. Okay.
1: So that's it, my friends. Thank you very much once again. And I do want to say, please give us a review. It just helps grow our audience and we really, really appreciate it.
0: So everyone, if you can give us a review, that's great because the reviews alert the world. And we enjoy them. Right. We enjoy them. But it also alerts everyone else who's searching for a podcast on Italy, which ones are good. Very true. So alert the world. If you like us, help us find another reunion island out there somewhere. (laughs) Ciao, ciao.
1: Oh, hold on. I get to say that first. Grazie mille tutti amici e ciao,
0: ciao. Ciao, ciao. (laughs) Hey, it's Tommaso here. I'm sorry, and I apologize to any of our listeners who might be Francophiles and were insulted over my pronunciation of reunion, which I pronounced wrong. It should be reunion. My analytics on Libsyn did not include that little aigu accent mark in its spelling. Thanks, Stuart Ross, for the correction last night at cocktails. I know full well that several nuns from my sisters of Notre Dame, my grammar school, Worcester, Mass., who spoke quite a bit of French, and we had French class every day from grades one through six are rolling over in their graves sorry sisters so instead of our usual ending chow ciao, ciao i'll say au revoir mon ami